kini igbese aye kini di ti o tun fi wa ni ecuador why are you still in ecuador a lot of people around the world they are stranded because of covid-19 i'm stranded not because of covid-19 but because i'm a black man who carries an african passport I was supposed to leave earlier, around November, the third week of November. That flight was cancelled because flights had been suspended between Zambia and Turkey, which is my transiting, one of my transit points. But then later on, I tried to leave, but my trip required that I go through Panama. And for me to go through Panama, I need a visa not even a transit visa i need a tourist visa just to be able to collect my cuz there's a stupid law to say if you are changing flights they are going to unload your luggage and then you have to pick it up you have to go through immigration to pick up your luggage so to pick up your luggage to go through immigration you need a 3 months uh, a 3 months tourist visa which is not only an inconvenience but it's also a huge cost because that visa doesn't come free that visa costs $70 on top of that you need to have a hotel booking a, a hotel which you are not going to sleep in you need to get your police records from here and everything and that and that costs money so these are things which only happen to a certain group of people Europeans transiting through Panama they are not exposed to that US citizens transiting through Panama they are not exposed to that so it's literally shows how hostile this world is to black people how hostile how more hostile this world is to africans first of all as an african if you've got a trip you need to at least need two months you have to get all these documents go to embassies you need to have these documents notarized if you're going to a, to take them to a notary to say oh they are genuine you need to if you are traveling to a country which doesn't speak that language you need to find a translator to translate your document and everything and sometimes this is just to visit a dear to zoo lives in that country sometimes they are just going for a, a two day seminar a two days conference and so all these issues like i say if our society is engineered to be anti african the world just is totally hostile to Africans. And we've had situations where people who've got jobs in Africa, who've got decent jobs, but they still fail to attend conferences outside the country. Why? Because everyone thinks to say you're planning to be an illegal immigrant. People who've been unable to nest their own relatives when they got sick out there because they cannot get the visas. And like I said, these visas cost money other than just the inconvenience. So sometimes people from this other part of the world, they will never imagine to, because these are people who today who feel to say, oh, I need to go and see my friend in New Zealand, my sister in New Zealand. They buy an air ticket and jump on a plane to New Zealand. That's not how it works for us. So traveling in this world is literally the world which shows you they don't want you. So you can be educated, you can have a job, you can whatever. But there's always that um, an understanding to say, well, you're going to be an illegal immigrant. Panama making so I applied for this tourist visa from Panama almost 
40 days ago, 40 days ago, just for me to go through the country. I haven't gotten a single response. And the embassy told me, don't call us, we'll call you. No response. This is not a work permit. This is not a permanent residence permit. And I had to submit a ton of documents, including my bank accounts and everything, or the, my entire passport to show the movements, and all this. So all this is very frustrating. It's very frustrating to say, why would someone assume to say I want to migrate to Panama illegally? What's in Panama? There's nothing. What's in Panama? So this is just the anti-black, the anti-African sentiment across the world. Because, uh, for instance, I expected to say my application would be expedited. I've traveled around the world. I've lived in uh, other countries before coming here. Uh, a lot of countries moved around. I don't have a single immigration offense. I've gone to Tunisia. I've been to North Africa. I've been in a number of countries, Latin America, Brazil, Venezuela, and where I live in Ecuador. I've passed through Europe a number of times and everything. If I wanted, if I really wanted to migrate, the, the days when I passed through Europe, I was going to whatever, throw away my passport there and claim for asylum or something. I didn't do that because there are difficulties in my country or whatever, but I've got no intentions of migrating illegally to another country. Greetings and welcome to the life at the one and only Polyglot Barbershop here in Quito, Ecuador. Our guest today for our first podcast episode is from Zambia. This political analyst and strategist relocated to Ecuador in 2018 to work at the Telesur English. Today, Radio Polyglot Barbershop presents Clean and Sala. Bau ni amashi ilosi waju awon orilede ti ni idawasoke how to improve south south relations first of all is that we don't even know each other you know we know each other through how the global north has allowed us to know each other a lot of people here in latin america they only know of africa through Hollywood movies and whatever Western news media where I think is this place like very backward rebels running amok, kids without shirts and bloated stomachs and everything. That's what they think. So they don't even have an idea of that. Equally people in, in Africa, they've got an idea of South America through a movie which they've watched on Hollywood, some lifesavers coming into Colombia to fight the FARC who are killing local, you know, that's the idea they get. So these are people literally who've got no relations, who've got no idea about each other. People in Latin America, when they want to vacation, they can't even think of going to vacation in, in Africa. Because like I've said, they think it's this backward place. That's how they sit. They never want to go there. They want to go to Miami. They want to go to Disneyland in Miami. They want to go to Europe. Equally, people who've got money in Africa, the elites, when they get money, they want to go to Europe. They want to go to the US. They want to go to Paris. They want to go to Italy. They want to go to Greece. So it would take a lot to change these perspectives. But I say at this moment, what we need mostly is economic diplomacy. Like I've said to say, 
we desperately need to create jobs for youth across the two sides. In Brazil, if there was a strategic partnership between Brazilian companies or whatever, jobs will be created in Brazil, jobs will be created in Africa. But we, if we make sure that in those agreements, some of those companies who invest in Africa, if a Brazilian company, we've got Brazilian companies like Vale, it's running a number of mining operations in Zambia. If there was a way to say the, those from those projects they do in Africa, then certain quarters of the jobs, for instance, because they take some expatriates from Brazil. If those countries can say, okay, if you are going to bring quarters of foreigners, because a number of countries give them say, you can only bring so much expatriates. They'd be like, okay, we'll extend it a bit. If you are going to get marginalized goods, these the young engineers who came from the favelas or whatever, to say, bring them to work in some of your operations here. And we increase the quotas on the number of expatriates you get. It will create more benefits. So like I said, the approach, if Lula wanted to increase relations between Brazilian businesses and African businesses, it was a good initiative. And I mean, or it could have been expanded to include the cultural part. Whatever. But on its own, on the business part and focusing on that, there's absolutely nothing wrong. We need more of that. But if we are going to get agribusinesses from Brazil engaging with businesses in Africa and being able to contribute more money in the GDPs, in the economies of those countries, to be able to create more jobs, to build more infrastructure, connecting more people to piped water, electricity, from those partnerships. I think at the end of the day, it is much more beneficial. Yeah, yeah, the other people, to put diplomats, yeah, people knowing each other's cultures, whatever. It's nice. It's a feel good thing. But at the end of the day, it does not address the bread and butter issues. Kini is a lure. What are your politics? Pragmatism any day. I've also had to say, in any, when any man wakes up in the morning. Nobody thinks about sociology or capitalism. They wake up thinking the same. In five days time, I need to pay my rent. Do I have the money? Next week, schools are opening. Do I have money for my children? Am I able to get a new pair of shoes for my child? Bread and butter issues is what drives a human being, is what they think about. So, but I understand to say, in the same way you can still be pragmatic and have a decent political system. In being pragmatic, it doesn't mean we should allow companies to exploit the workers, to exploit resources in a manner which doesn't benefit the local communities, in a manner which produces the environment. No, we can still be very pragmatic and not really be tied to an ideology. But the reason will be to get what works the best for our people, what produces the best results. And I've given an example like Botswana. It's a country from 1966, when they got independent, they never adopted an ideological viewpoint. Countries like Singapore, equally. And Rwanda has also gone that direction. So this issue of limiting yourself to say, as we are on the left, you are on the right, has been an on-go by most African countries. It has limited them.
the capacity to build strategic relationships with whatever. Because sometimes you need certain things from the other side of the block. But if you limit yourself here only on one side, it doesn't help. And like I said, it's pandering to ideologies and slogans, whatever, if it does not improve the economic welfare of your own people, it does not help. And these ideological battles, they draw African countries into battles and conflicts that they don't need, that they cannot afford. So like I said, they need to find out to say what works for us. An ideology which worked in Europe, an ideology which worked in, in Asia, might not be able to work in Africa. So what we need to do is to chart our own path, to decide what route is going to work, and to look on the, the reality on the ground, to look at our reality. What do we have? What do we lack? Where do we want to go? And what do we think will carry us there? Then that's what we should pick. Not worrying about the leftist or being right. We don't have, those are luxuries. Like I said, I said those are luxuries of people who live in countries where dogs have got the same rights as human beings. They can afford that. But when you live in a country where literally you've got hospitals which don't have basic painkillers, hospitals which don't have enough bed in their maternity wards for expectant mothers and everything, you can't afford those ideological battles. So we will leave it to those people who've got those luxuries. Let them tear each other apart. We'll watch it from the sidelines and maybe one day when we've improved the welfare of our local people and whatever, we might have the luxury to join those battles. But at this moment, we just can't afford that privilege. So I believe to say, African political parties, let them take a very practical approach, a very pragmatic approach, and, well, those who want to stick to ideologies, I mean, they can stick, but I mean, an ideological battles like, they are, like religious battles, usually there's no end in sight. People continue, these squabbles have been on for whatever years, but we need to know to say what needs to be done in this. Pragmatic approaches, strong institutions of government, less corruption, appointing people on merit. And we need the kind of development which doesn't leave anybody behind. Visit us at thepolyglotbarber.com or send us an email at thepolyglotbarbershop at gmail.com Listo, vamos. A la one, a la two, a la one, two, three.